LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. And today we're going to talk about inequality, and but it's not going to be in the normal re irreverent, reverent framing that um, I think many of you guys would probably be expecting. So what what I want to do, what I really want to do, <laughs> want to do, is I want to try to give you guys an understanding of, let's just say, one of the questions you all ask. And I think one of the questions we all ask, we see problems, we live the problems, we know the problems are there. You wake up every morning wondering how you're gonna pay your bills. You wake up wondering where the money's gonna come from for the medical issue. You wonder, hey, if, if all it would take to lower a cost is to make sure that, you know, we give everybody healthcare free, whatever. Why aren't they doing it? And you keep coming back to questions like, my God, if, if all these young kids are coming out of college, strapping with huge amounts of student debt, why aren't they just getting rid of it? Why aren't they making student debt not a thing? Why aren't they making college free for all? Why aren't they making an investment in the national, uh, you know, brain, if you will, the, 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 uh, resources of the nation why, why aren't they investing in that why aren't they making these things why aren't they making life easier why why, why right and you know i'm gonna kind of backtrack into my my story here so i'm gonna show you a tweet that i responded to and then got into a discussion to kind of level set some of this, okay? So this guy comes out, American Pie, March on whatever. United States dollar's gonna be so freaking worthless very soon, what will you do then? You know, and obviously it's like, if you know that that's not true, and we do know that's not true, by the way, okay? We do know that's not true. Understanding the government can take care of this stuff and the reason why it can pay its bills, if it was worthless, it couldn't pay its bills because. Nobody would take its currency. But of course, that's not true, right? Of course, that's simply not true. And, and so what I did was I kind of gave it the standard ha-ha. But my buddy, Irreverent Evan, comes back and says, sure, print more, but can we replace value with volume forever? And I say, as long as you can enforce a tax, yes. You guys, when we get through this, you're going to see why this is how I'm leading off. And he says, is as long like if at some point they can't tax what we don't have and a tax strike simply happens by default, no? And I'm like, no. I, I'm like, I spend so much time discussing this. It's a simple issue. It really is. The tax drives the acceptance, nothing more, okay? And so if you go through here, I gave him, do we need taxes, an MMT perspective. Please check this out, neweconomicperspectives.org. We also, I think, have it at Real Progressives as well. 
Unfortunately, we've been very slow on the uptake to get these things over there. Um, but I also replied, what are taxes for? So you could see the bam, bam, one-two punch from Randy Ray and his primer. But my buddy comes back and he says, hey, what happens if the government can't tax the supply out of existence? Because it's all in the hands of the rich who own the government and they demand they aren't taxed. You notice I'm liking his posts. It's like dead people still have blood, but you can't draw it out when their heart has stopped pumping. And I, at the time, I didn't fully understand. I said, I have no way of understanding your point. I'm trying. It appears to not be an economic argument, though. So explain, if you will, please. He goes back to what happens when all the money is heading to the very top and very top demands they aren't taxed? And that same top owns the government. And I'm saying, I don't disagree with most of your power assessment. Is thank you. So where does MMT lead to, given that it depends on taxes? It doesn't depend on taxes. It depends on some obligation that makes the currency stay in play, whether that be fines, fees, penalties, payable only in the, ta in the unit of account, whatever. But there's some obligation that can only be met with that unit of account. And he's like, but those with the power and money refuse to pay those taxes. Again, funding operation. And I come back, I said, it stands just fine. It's how it works. But when folks see it not work in their favor, this is key, folks. When folks see it not work in their favor, I hope it radicalizes them. But your scenario isn't one grounded in reality. Driving the tax makes us strive. It works as intended in capitalism. And he comes back and he says, I get that. MMT is how it works. I'm just not sure how simply understanding that deals with the consolidation of wealth and power. Is the notion that understanding MMT will radicalize people and lead to revolution? And this is what I gave back. It is well that people of the nation do not understand our banking and monetary system. For if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. And that was in 1922. It was in 1922. And so I, I listen to people. I watch people. And they feel like yeah, if we just, we could just elect a few more progressives in office, God, it'll change everything. You know, and then I hear others that are like, you know, how come they have money for Ukraine, but they don't have money for a Palestine, Ohio? Why do they have money for war, but they don't have money for school? Well, of course, they have money for anything they want. They literally can create money out of thin air based on being Congress. The problem here is, and this is the fundamental problem, folks. I can take you through every single aspect of MMT. And in the end, you'll be very smart. You'll know what you don't know about the monetary system, and you'll feel really good about yourself. Because, I mean, it is. It's an achievement of some level to know what the fuck you're talking about. Props to those who take the time to not be dumb and follow <laughs> food fights on alt media. Props to those who invest themselves in smart people and invest themselves in learning. Props to those who push away clickbait and put props to those who actually do the hard work because we're going to need each other because there's too many of the others that are not going to do this stuff, okay? And that's a real problem. 
okay? Because people ask the dumbest questions. How come there's poverty in America? How come there's starving people in America? How come we don't have houses for America? Or we have all these houses, but people aren't in them. How come, how come, how come? It's always these questions. It's like, you already fucking know, but you're just not willing to say it. You're not willing to go the next level. You may have something to lose. Maybe you are kind of well-to-do and your husband has investments and the idea of realizing the truth puts you guys' cozy situation in a tough spot. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, you're, maybe your wife is rolling in cash and the idea of you thinking through this problem is too much to bear. Maybe you have a lot of money sitting in a trust fund or in Wall Street or in bonds or whatever. And the idea of the light coming on really truly terrifies because you have something to lose. Millions and millions of other people have already lost everything. But you, the paragon of one, are holding up your savings. You alone can send your kid to the highest best schools. You alone can buy a great trip. You alone can buy a nice car. You alone can do, but society is crumbling around you, right? And you say, how is that possible in a world where our government, who is supposed to be elected by we the people, who's supposed to be serving the needs of we the people and serving the general welfare of we the people, how can that same government, that same scenario, find money under the bed for war but is always pulling its pockets out and going, I don't have any money when it comes to servicing society. Let me just tell you this right now. It's because the game that we're playing in real life is different from the one you've allowed yourself to believe we're playing. You probably sit there and defend Joe Biden inadvertently against Republican attacks because you don't realize this is show. You look at this collapsed Silicon Valley bank and you can see the proles who don't understand anything about economics are talking about a bank bailout. It's not a bank bailout. It is a depositor bailout. Now, most of the stuff they're talking about through increasing FDIC is supposed to be for depositors. You and I, we have money in the bank. Hey, we want to make sure it's good. Most of us do not have $250,000 in the bank. So all of our savings is 100% FDIC insured already, whether they raise that or not, right? I will tell you that the concept of insuring the banking system is there for people. Make it boring, reform it, do whatever and make sure that all deposits are insured is not a radical idea. And it's not a bailout for the bank. Fuck every single person that says it's a bailout for the bank. Stop saying dumb, uninformed shit. You have my permission to stop being that way. You have my permission to stop saying things that aren't true. That's the one thing, no matter how poor, no matter how anything we are, we always reserve the right to tell the truth. And that means to never lie. That means to not say that we're bailing out a bank. As much as I detest these private banks, let's be very crystal clear. It's not the bank that they're bailing out. Now, 
You could have fraud on one side, go chase after that, fucking put them in jail, do whatever. That presumes that's what the government is there to do, is to attack these rich people fraudsters that are defrauding the public. It's not what they're there for, folks. They're there to protect those people, to ensure that wealth stays wealthy. All right? What they're there to do is to make sure that none of the little people get over because we got to remember our station in society. We got to remember where we exist and why we exist and where we belong, right? But when you think about the games that are being put out there, and I listen to a lot of different people. We had Steve Keen on Monday talking about the collapse. And I've heard several other takes that differ from what his perspective was um, slightly differently, some more so than others. But in the end, almost every aspect of the bank collapse was rich people problems. It had nothing to do with regular people. Regular people are already covered for all FDIC deposits to 250,000, okay? Let's just stop right there. So as we're looking at why does our government not serve our needs? It's not just the fucking Republicans, sorry. Sorry, slow kids in the back. Yo, yo, take the cotton out of your ears. Come up to the front of the class and listen, okay? The problem here is this. When you understand that we are, we've displaced slavery. We've displaced slavery, okay? We displaced slavery and we made it kind of everybody now. So the concept of getting things done for the wealthy is done by us. And we have to be coerced into doing things that we don't necessarily want to do. And by making society impossible, difficult, challenging, overwhelmingly difficult, okay, they can coerce us to do jobs and other things and accept the worst conditions based solely on the fact that we got no alternative. We don't feel like we have an alternative. And because we're too busy telling us what we think we know instead of learning. God, have you ever watched how people, no matter how little they know on a subject, they will spend their time telling you everything. They will, they'll be yelling at Steve Keen in the middle of a damn interview. Like they know something, like they fucking know something. This is a problem, being a full cup. You know, when you try and pour water into a cup and the cup's already full, what happens to the water? It just goes all over the table, right? It goes all over the floor. It makes a big mess. You cannot fill a full cup. And our society thinks it knows what the fuck it's talking about. I swear to Christ, people fucking believe they know. And I'm watching people who don't know anything about economics, don't listen to economics, don't read economics, doing live streams on the banking collapse, doing live streams on economics, talking about this stuff as if they know, and they're completely fucking wrong. But damn it, they know they know. They know they know. Okay? But they don't. And so as we're looking at this, problem and it is a problem we keep thinking the government is going to solve the problem because it should solve the problem it has the power to solve the problem it has the agency 
to solve the problem. And that's what we believe government is there for. We believe that that government is there to represent we the people and to take care of us. And imagine our chagrin when we find out that this particular government's class interests have nothing to do with the working class and have everything to do with wealth and maintaining wealth and maintaining those power dynamics where the wealth can control us, okay? So Henry Ford in 1922, like I said, said that people really truly understood money and banking, which you can tell by all the bloviators out there that just say things, lots to say, because they're, they're busy trying to emit things that they don't understand. They think they understand, but they're too proud to say, I don't know, let me learn. And as a result of that, they're just constantly, their mouths are pushing shit out there and their ears fundamentally stop working. And as a result of their ears not working, they never take in new information. They're just busy trying to tell everybody how smart they are and how much they know. So in the end, we people keep like doe-eyed children staring at the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Thank God most people see mask off. I admit in the beginning I was mask on. Mask off, baby, right? But I used to have this doe-eyed look too. It's kind of like childlike innocence. Of course the government is there for us. We just don't understand how hard it is. We just don't understand the pressures that they're under. It's really hard to do the right thing. Well, the right thing depends on who the right thing is for. Who are you serving? And if you're serving wealth, if you're serving moneyed interests, if you're told your job is to ensure markets are cleared and you are there to ensure labor will be available and you're there to ensure that capital gets whatever it wants, then yeah, sure, you're serving their interests. But we don't have any class consciousness in this country. We don't have any understanding of the ruling elite. We don't have any understanding of the way our government was put in power. And I say this frequently, and I'm going to say it one more time. Read your Howard Zinn. Read your People's History of the U.S. I mean, I can give you a laundry list of things to read, but read this because it grows tiresome to hear people wax on about the founding fathers and wax on about the nobility of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. A very, you know, set of documents that labeled the slaves, the freedmen, three-fifths of a human being, okay? That, that faunted document, okay? These documents, unfortunately, these documents serve to codify landowners, capital owners, property owners, the wealthy. 
And who do you think was coming to the United States? Do you think it was a bunch of you know, black and brown people from Africa coming here to set up shop? No, they were being kidnapped in the middle of the night, killed on the you know, Atlantic slave trade ride in a ship that was creaky full of malaria, and then dumped over here to kill Indians by bringing disease with them too. We have got such a twisted view of this. We want so bad. It's so hard to believe that they're not serving our interests because our interests are not their interest. It's almost too much for your brain to swallow and to, to consume and to, to absorb. And as a result of that, the reflexes that I get, my inbox fills up with people saying, I agree with you most of the time, Steve, but I think you're too far on this side. I think you're, I think you're crazy, or I think you don't know what you're talking about, or Steve, you know, you just don't know how hard it is to be a representative of the United States Congress. You got to take it easy on them. What you're expecting too much. And yet here I am expecting we, the people to rise up, become ungovernable and through a peaceful revolution, force them, whether they want to or not to serve our needs. And ultimately, you can't make people rise up to do something that they fundamentally are terrified of, that they will talk themselves out of in an instance because they don't want to have to be made any more uncomfortable. The fear of acknowledging the fact that your government doesn't serve you, fear is what prevents people from actually opening the door, pulling back the curtain, looking, breaking out a microscope, breaking out a little magnifying glass, looking, observing, really being honest, instead of just repeating something you said for 30 years. If you learned it 30 years ago, chances are whatever you think you learned is wrong. No joke, you've been propagandized. We've all been propagandized. I've been propagandized. I walk in here wondering, am I going to make any fucking sense when I go live or not? Is, is, is this, because see, I don't do what others do. I could easily go and Google or find trending topics and talk about subjects and act like I'm somehow or another in the know. Doesn't it crack you up watching alt media do a show about other alt media doing a show? about a secondary source like The Hill doing a show that suddenly talks about a show that was on MSNBC. How many layers did the cocaine dealer step on that Coke to get to that final show that gets 100 million views because people are fucking into food fights? Trifling trash, let's be fair. Let's call it spade a spade, trifling trash, okay? But I go into this stream of consciousness because it's not good enough to spit out things. I want to fucking be able to think through the problems. I want to be able to use thoughts. I want to be able to use instances and think through problems. And I want to do it in front of you because I don't want you to be afraid to do it too. I don't want you to be afraid to pick up a book. I don't want you to be afraid to ask a question. I don't want you to be afraid to look where you're told not to look. I don't want you to be afraid to accept the world as it is, not as you want it to be. 
And believe me, the only reason why I think I have the capability to do that is because I'm a fucking alcoholic in recovery. And I had no choice but to stare my demons in the eye. Deal with that icy cold sweat of fear of acknowledging, holy fuck, I'm a lush. Holy fuck, I got this problem. Holy fuck. But because I've seen struggle, been through two divorces, lost so much, I no longer run from staring things in the eye. And I don't have it so good that I'm protecting something. I come at this and I say to myself, I must go through this journey in front of people, share in that exploration. It's not news. I don't know if you call this church, support group, whatever you want to call it, but this is us working this out together, okay? This is us working this out together. I tend to be very empirical in the things that I do. If I don't know something, I stop myself and say, I don't know the answer to that, but I will find it out. I was supposed to do a short video for Status Coup on the Silicon Valley Bank collapse. I told Jordan, I know a lot about it and I can talk about it, but I can't do a definitive short video that encapsulates the whole thing and tells you the slam dunk, here it is, because there's like five or six really important factors in there, of which I probably know 60 to 65% accurately. The other 30, 35%, I'm wet behind the ears because there's a lot more to this than just simply, I don't like banks, let the bank collapse, fuck everybody's into a fist in the air in the land of hypocrisy. I don't want to be that dipshit. I don't want to be that guy. And so I don't say things that I can't stand on or try to stand on. But this, this comes back, you know, I think the Ukraine crisis gives us a real opportunity in understanding. Because I'm going to give you a, a breakdown of things that I believe are true. And I want you to see how it ties into this larger picture of what I've been talking about this whole time, okay? When the United States won World War II and they set up the Bretton Woods Accord and when they allowed the United States to basically be king of the hill, a lot of things started happening in that time the United States really eventually became this massive net importer. We started shipping out production, manufacturing around the world. Because we had built so many grand things back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and before, a lot of our infrastructure, we just allowed the collapse. Now, all of a sudden, China, who has done its great work, with their one boat belt, one road initiative, okay? 
has really, really kept their eye on the prize. They've raised living standards. They have increased their ability to produce goods and services at an unparalleled level. They are building the infrastructure superhighway, the supply chains, for other countries to hook their port right up like a computer system. Just pull right up and hook into it, and voila. But the United States didn't do those things. The United States was scam artists, and they tried to predate and extract from around the world. Well, the rest of the world is fighting back, okay? So knowing full well that we gave up our manufacturing base, knowing full well that we gave up so much of our productive capabilities, the United States had to figure out a way to slow down the other guys that were jumping ahead of us. So what did they do? They created problems with Russia, and this has been going on for a long time. Then I have to hear, oh, but Russia's predatory too, and Putin this, and Putin, shut up. I don't give a fuck about Putin. That's not, this, this is not about Putin. Putin is incidental. It's like, oh my God, there's a red dot on the wall. Yeah, that and a bag of chips gives you a bag of chips. What are you saying, Smiley? The real deal is this. The United States allowed itself to fall apart. Two Scott, um, uh, State of the Unions ago, Joe Biden began beating the drum that China was our greatest threat. Is it Russia? Is it China, Joe? Who is it? Is it Iran, Joe? Is it Africa? Is it South America? Is it every country we've ever tried to fuck that is saying no more? You know what I'm saying? So ultimately the U.S. needs a cold war. Needs a hot war, a cold war, a war of some variety, something to allow it to push them away so that we can at home rebuild what we allowed to fall apart. And so the United States is a panicking, declining empire that is watching the world go from unipolar to multipolar in rapid fashion. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with making sure we, the people, have education, healthcare, a Green New Deal, baby. Don't give a rat's ass. That's stuff we want. That's stuff scientists that are studying it want. But the power, the power elite, the Davos community, they live in a totally different world. We're there for their amusement. We're there to serve them. We are the slaves by other names that serve them. If we are free to do what we want, if we are not trapped in very, very unequal, unequal scenarios, lacking equity ourselves, if we're not trapped in there, then we have agency. If we have agency, it means we can push back against what they want. But there's so many folks out there that just love the taste of shoe leather. Just live for a shoe leather salad, shoe leather steaks. 
shoe leather on demand, man. They just love to lick the boot of capital. And so as a result of that, we don't acknowledge the fact that while our government could literally take care of every single thing, the elite, the powers that be, are running train on us. They're literally running a train on us. No Vaseline. And because we won't accept that our government isn't serving us. Joe Biden, hey, Joe, how come you just didn't wipe out all student debt? Why did you nickel and dime that? It's going to be overturned anyway, probably by a conservative Supreme Court, if you believe this. I think they already knew these things, right? Bottom line is, why didn't you just wipe it all out, Joe? What was the value in maintaining a stranglehold on children and retired people to carry huge lumps of fucking debt? What was the point of that, Joe Biden? What was the point of that? And there's going to be some bootlicker out there that goes, well, see, Joe tried. He tried to give you 10 grand off. Remember, $2 trillion in student debt is sitting out there. $2 trillion. Where's that money going? To loan servicing companies that the government propped up and created for another, quote-unquote, job creation scenario? Look, it's easy to bellyache. But if you're not aware of the power dynamic, the real thing that's going on, I mean, I, I work in MMT spaces as an activist. And the things I read from some lead me to believe that there's just no point. There's no point in becoming a god of MMT because there's no chance of you actually implementing these policies in office. Some of the best policies I've ever seen within this capitalist world that we're in never even got the light of day, never even made it to a floor vote. Why is that? Because it was a hand-wringing, money-making exercise in the end. In the end, people got paid for their jobs. But there's no real meaningful action on any of the legislation. You know they've always got a poison pill there. It's not, it's not hyperbole. It's just like real, legit shit. The government sees anything that it does for you and I as a lost transaction for capital. So if government were to give us free health care, those companies couldn't find the sweet spot of cutting benefits, skimping on things, and finding a sweet spot to earn the maximum profit because otherwise it'd just be sorted out and they'd get a paycheck or whatever and they would do whatever the government said and that's that. There's no volatility in that. So there's no upside to them. There's no gamble. There's no, there's no speculation. It's far more stable, far more boring, far more let's make sure people have what they need. They don't want that because if you have what you need, there's no fear. Fear is required to make you save money for fear of not having something. Fear is what is required to make you go out and get certain preventative tests because without having those tests, you won't know any better. 
fear is what drives behaviors. And they use fear of the sack, fear of getting fired, fear of losing your home, fear of not having health care, fear of not having enough education to survive, fear of not being able to afford your kids' bills and stuff like that, okay? Fear, fear, fear. <clears throat> and so the rich, all their money comes from the fire sector. And there's somebody, Virginia says that, yes, the economy has been captured by a fire. Fire is finance, insurance, uh, and uh, finance, insurance, real estate. All these things that are parasitic in nature, parasitic in nature, and literally provide zero value. Zero value, okay? Now, when I hear MMTers talk, because I am an MMTer, folks, I am an MMTer, okay? But when I hear others talk and they just go, oh, well, that's just a simple accounting transaction. It's just a simple keyboard keystroke, right? We'll just mark accounts up and mark them down. Oh, just file bankruptcy, no problem, right? Well, there is a fundamental divide between people who live in the, the stratosphere where they know they don't ever have to worry. And then those people that are literally running from the ax as they're laying people off. And they're wondering, how am I going to survive a layoff? I don't have any money to my name. I have no family. I have nothing stored up. I'm, I'm literally trapped. And then it's like, well, you know, we could always provide Medicare for all. Now, that, maybe that would help out a little bit, you know, and maybe we could even subsidize some housing or I don't know. Right. There is a fundamental difference when I wake up in the morning and I feel that flutter in my heart of fear, fear of what's going to happen today, fear of what economic calamity is going to come my way, fear of what physical ailment is going to hit me that I'm going to have to somehow or another come up with big money? What piece of equipment in my home is going to break that I'm going to have to come up with money that I don't have? And what fuck stick is going to say, how come you don't have any money, Steve? What Did you make bad choices? How come you're in this position, Steve? That's one of the very few times where I find the Second Amendment has some value. How come you didn't make better choices? How come you didn't make better choices? I've never owned a gun in my life, folks, just so you know. But I still have fantasies of when somebody says, how come you didn't make better choices? Why? What, 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 what happened? What, do you, what, what, do you, what did you do that's causing this, huh? So when you look at inequality and you look at why these things aren't done, there's a reason. Number one, anything the government does in their mind crowds out private opportunity to predate on the society that they're in. The government doing that takes away the predatory power of capital. You look across the world, instead of countries who have had socialist infrastructure forever, 
Healthcare is a right. School is a right. Housing is a right. So many things, right? You watch as the United States policies are being exported to their front door. Why? Because businesses no longer have just a national element to them. They are multinationals. They have their hands in every country looking for maximum advantage. And the idea of countries having protected public services is an affront to capital because capital desperately wants to be able to capitalize on your misery, your lack of health care. They want to be able to charge you because you're poor 29% interest instead of 2% interest like they do the rich guy. Why? Because that keeps you locked in. It keeps you trapped. So I am a believer in a big C central planning kind of government. I am, well, I bet you there's a lot of people that wouldn't like me if they fully understood how much of a commitment I have to central planning in so many ways, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is that I feel like government formed by the people should literally be taking away the precarity, taking away the gambling of life. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have responsibility for our opportunities and actions, but it means that our needs should not be things that we gamble on. Water, food, home, okay? But society is not structured that way, even though we think it should be. Many people think that we should take care of one another through the means that we have, but we don't. Why not? We don't because the capital order. They try to tweak, tweak the equalizer on the music to make it so that it's at a certain level. But the reality is, is that we always think of it from our side of the ledger, like, well, it's not working for me. Why don't we make it work for me? Well, because it is working for the people it was intended to work for. It's, it's working just fine for the wealthy, okay? All of these things were intended to keep wealth in power, to keep wealth where it is. Let me put a really, really capitalist moment on you for a minute, okay? I don't really give a fuck who cancels me over this. You can go fuck yourselves if this bothers you, okay? But I like football. I can't help it. I love football. I grew up watching football. I like hockey. I like baseball, okay? I like basketball. I like ping pong. I like bowling. I don't care. I like golf. But I love football, okay? And I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area then the Washington Redskins, then the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders. And the Washington Commanders are owned by a piece of shit named Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder has made this community suffer for those that really give a fuck about sports. And again, this isn't eating. This isn't healthcare. This is frivolity, okay? But as Daniel Snyder's misdeeds come out, 
what is starting to happen is he's getting ready to try and sell the team. There's a bunch of political shit going on. Watching billionaire fight billionaire is a juicy thing. However, a local guy named Joshua Harris, he's got like $4.8 billion. I think he owns part of the 76ers and owns part of the New Jersey Devils. Rich people problems, you know what I mean? He is going in to bid with this other guy, uh, a D.C. native. Um, and the two of them, I think their net worth comes out to like $13 million combined. Daniel Snyder's looking for about $6 billion. He wants seven, but looking for $6 billion to sell the team. And who owns the Washington Post? Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, who is the richest dude, right? Has like $150 million and $50 billion, something like that. $113 billion. Who knows, right? But bottom line is he can buy and sell these little guys 10 times over again. And Daniel Snyder won't sell to him because he's got a bone to pick with him. But here's the thing. What would prevent Jeff Bezos from just waiting until everybody bids on the thing and then just buying it for whatever price he feels like selling? Because he has enough money to beat everybody no matter what. There is no bid process here that could preclude him from winning if he wants to win. Now, why does that matter? In life, in the world that we're in, if shit hits the fan and food is at the center of the stage or water is at the center of the stage or housing is at the center of the stage and the rich have been accumulating huge amounts of money, huge amounts of assets, huge amounts of farmland, huge amounts of housing and can by default become the new government because they control your life in the most meaningful way possible. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. The only thing any of us can do in the end is revolt, is to say, no, I won't do this, and fight back. But the problem is we're surrounded by those folks that love the taste of boot leather. We are surrounded by bootlickers, surrounded by people that will tell you, hey, there's no need for a revolution. There's no need for any of that. Why do you suppose people cave in like that so quickly? They don't even ask the question. They don't even consider it. It's like, well, I'm doing okay. There's no reason for me to be uncomfortable beyond this. We reinforce the wealthy by refusing to take action. The problem is the people that are willing to take action tend to be the dumbest in our midst. The LOL Bertarians and the MAGA commies combined come together. People that could not tell you how the monetary system works if you literally wrote it on paper for them. They would still say something stupid about gold. They couldn't help themselves. They would still say something ridiculous. So this is what you're up against. Unless you're willing to be absolutely jack crazy, nuts. Unless you're the Jews, Cynthia McKinney, and all the others, the Jews. 
no thanks. I'm not going to just become an anti-Semite piece of shit bigot so I can fit in with the rest. I'm just not going to do it. And yet at the same time, though, if you understand class, you understand that anybody that works for a paycheck is a member of the working class. So while I'm watching some adopt austerity as their mindset because they've hung out with libertarians, it's not the left influencing libertarians. Libertarians are influencing the left. And they're saying the most worthless Bitcoin things. They're saying the most worthless, dumb things. And there's no shutting it down. There's no turning it off. But in order to have something after the revolution, so to speak, to have enough to unite people in the revolution, to even be able to make people think that an intellectual revolution is possible, a political revolution is possible, Okay, we are never, ever, under any circumstances, going to see the times of the Bolsheviks ever return, ever, ever, ever return. The conditions leaving czarist agricultural Russia and merging into an industrial era, that, that's a, a time period thing. That's not something that's going to be recreated in the future. There were no nuclear weapons. There wasn't a lot of things in place at the time. There was no internet. There was no mass surveillance of the electronic variety. So they had spies looking over everyone's shoulder. The reality is, is that at this point, whatever revolution would look like tomorrow, whatever revolution would look like in political form, it's certainly not going to happen if we keep looking backwards to go forwards. And it's certainly not going to happen if we continue to come to the conversations as a full cup, not leaving enough room for new information to come in. And it's certainly not gonna happen if we don't find a way to radicalize normies. And so I look at MMT and I say, you need a functioning democracy to get the things you want through an MMT lens. MMT is 100% correct. Let's just nail that one down right now. The problem is, is that the people in power have a different purpose in mind. And that is to keep us down while they jet set across the globe to Davos and other things and control society. We are barely the shit on the bottom of their shoe to them, okay? Our needs are irrelevant. And so when you ask, why isn't it happening? I hope for a moment, you feel a little silly asking the question going forward. I hope you have just a small pause that makes you feel a little silly asking why. And I hope you begin to make it your personal responsibility to A, teach people how the monetary system works. B, teach people why it's not working for us the way we think it should work. And three, once you've got them to a point where they understand the monetary system and then they understand that government serves capital, get them to that third question of, so what do we do now, homie? 
Homie the Clown, what do we do now? I hate the fact that certain groups are further ahead in radicalizing people because ultimately in the end, those groups, they don't have our best interest at heart. They're self-seeking. They're self-seeking. And let me tell you, the Ukraine thing, do you think the United States wants to ensure that it has resources? Do you think for a minute that the reason the United States is arming Ukraine is because it's arming Nazis? Are you one of those dumb fucks that runs around and says that? If you are, I hereby give you permission to stop. I want you to take a step back and be the smart kid, not the kid going for Godwin's law. I want you to be the smart one. I say the United States allowed itself to fall apart. It needs to cordon off the world so that it can get itself back up, so that it can bring its manufacturing base back, so it can secure its relationships with Europe, so it can secure its ability to retrench and regrow empire. It has nothing to do with arming Nazis. It's like saying, yeah, so-and-so got fired yesterday and they're gay. They're gay. What does that have to do with it? Well, were they fired for being gay? No, the company is a proudly gay-owned company, so I don't think they got fired for being gay. So why did you say they were gay? What was the point of it? Oh, so what's the point of talking about Nazis? I get it. It's spicy, it's titillating like SpongeBob using his spicy sentence enhancers. I get it that in certain communities it plays well because they don't understand the economics so I could cool and burn a candle talking about Nazis. Little shimmy, you know? To me, I say we had this opportunity to learn these things in real time. And instead, the loudest voices are saying, Nazis, 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 Nazi, 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 Nazi. And because of that volume, it pushes everything out. You don't hear about the resources anymore. You don't hear about the power dynamics anymore. You don't hear about any of the other important things anymore because Nazis, Nazis, Nazis. And because this is kind of like that whole, we're all on the same team, so let's say the same thing, Nazis. It's like a game, board game, Nazi, not Yahtzee, Nazi, Yahtzee, I don't know. They may be Nazis. There's plenty of evidence. There's tons of Nazis there. There's plenty of Nazis in the United States. What do you think the U.S. is arming them for? There's a strategic reason. It's called markets. It's called resources. It's called ensuring that the United States have access to these underdeveloped things for their business desires and ventures. And it's also about cutting off Russia to ensure that Russia 
Russia's no longer a threat to the U.S., but instead, what did Russia do? Russia bonded with China, and they're developing another pole. It has nothing to do with Nazis. It has nothing to do with Nazis. Do you understand that? That's the problem. The loudest voices get the most airtime, and they repeat the things that are a true statement. There's Nazis there. Yep, yep, okay. But it's not an analysis. It's not changing things. It's not adding to the value of it. And as a result of that, we never, ever take the opportunity, never take the opportunity to really learn what's going on. So we never take the opportunity, never take the opportunity to unite and form coalitions to build an opportunity to fight back and to have a political revolution or an intellectual revolution. Forget a violent one, we'll never win it. But you don't even have a chance because we can't get past these tropes. Bank bailouts, nope, not a bank bailout. Depositor bailout. Nazis, nope, yeah, Nazis, but real resources, real resource grab markets. Those aren't talked about because they're too serious, they're too smart, and therefore they never, ever, ever make it to the mainstream. And that's a fucking shame. So anyway, I got to get back to work, gang. My lunch hour is over. I hope that there was some value here. I hope that you guys learned something. And I hope that you enjoy me working through it in my head as I do it in front of you. And uh, for those people that judged and jumped off early, um, sorry. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org.